The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So it's 2.34 again. We'll keep you updated on all the news coming out of Toronto after that uh, van attack there today. Uh, we are expecting to hear from Toronto Mayor John Tory and possibly the police chief into 10 in 10 to 15 minutes we'll take that to you live hopefully we'll have some uh, clearer confirm co- confirmed numbers mm-hmm. on what has happened there today now i know andrew you were in um Nippawin. Nippawin over, over the, the weekend. weekend, yeah. And, uh, you know, it almost seems fitting to talk about this right now because there is uh, a similarity. They're the first responders who mm-hmm. um, show up to scenes like this and who have to deal with the carnage. And, uh, you know, we, we focus, of course, on the victims, and rightfully so. And there's always mention of um, the first responders and those responsible for coming on scene. And, um, you know... I, I had an opportunity over the weekend to go to Nipwin. It was a training session for uh, volunteer fire departments across Saskatchewan. Uh, but a number of the individuals who were there were those individuals who were the first to respond to the Humboldt bus crash. And um, I'm just going to say it. They're not doing well. They're not doing well at all. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of support up there for them. Um, there's a program in place through the Volunteer Fire uh, Department, uh, through the uh, overall administration in Saskatchewan, to provide assistance to them, mental health assistance. Um, but I have to tell you, I spoke to fire chiefs. I spoke to individuals who were, as I say, on scene um, first, and they can't get through a conversation without uh, crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've never quite seen a gathering. The support among the first responders for each other is absolutely phenomenal. A number of speakers um, got up and talked about um, what they're going through, and it was heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the professionals who are there uh, to assist with those uh, those feelings and with those uh, issues, talked about uh, the length of time that it would take uh, to get over this, and that it's a, that it's a long time. Yeah. And that and that they hope that people don't forget that it takes a long time. And for these individuals who aren't one of the statistics, for those individuals who aren't, uh, you know, no, I guess what I'm saying is nobody's hearing the backstory of individuals as we are for the victims. And we want to know about the victims, and it's important that we tell those backstories. But there's no, there's no real light shone upon these first responders uh, and their backstories and how they, where they were at mm-hmm. the time. And to be honest with you, I met a number of individuals and was introduced to individuals up there who either were not on call that night that responded anyway um, or who were not meant to be at this training session. And and as I say, it was 400 uh, volunteer firemen and women who were at a training session. It's an annual event where where they train for events like this. And a lot of individuals just came that weekend to be with their brothers and sisters uh, in the in the volunteer fire uh, department. They weren't even training. They just wanted to be near them yeah. and uh, either offer support or seek support. It, it was the strangest gathering I've ever seen. I had um, listened to an interview in the days that followed the crash of a paramedic, and he was 
out with a friend who was a firefighter. And the firefighter's pager goes off. And he says, I got to go. Something's going on. The paramedic, if I remember, the, the paramedic had retired six days earlier. And uh, he kind of got the sense that something big was going on, ended up showing up at where the ambulance at the bays and realized it was completely empty and then just responded. Wow. He went back out and he responded. It was a, a really powerful interview with him. Just, you know, it was, thir- again, 30-year career. Never, ever seen anything like he did that day. And, and, and when you talk about how long things stay with you, and then you listen to other interviews about post-traumatic stress and OSIs, occupational stress injuries, and how it doesn't necessarily come on right away. Right. Yep. It can be a month down the road. It can be a year down the road. It can be 10 years down the road that something triggers. But what they were saying is that within that first month, and again, with anybody, within that first month after the initial incident, if you're still having trouble sleeping, if you're still really emotional, if you're having all of these other things, you need to get somewhere. You need to get to talk to someone. Now, I know Wounded Warriors Canada has put a program uh, in place uh, working specifically for first responders and paramedics and, and that sort of thing now. But there is help out there, but it, you have you have to be willing to get mm-hmm. that help. Yeah, and I, I got to tell you, I sat through what was probably close to two hours of, uh, of uh, keynote speakers, and the plan had never been when this was... This was not put together as a result of uh, the accident. This was put together uh, as an annual event, but it happened to follow this accident, and it happened to include a lot of those first responders. Um, so as a result, a lot of people got up and spoke about the incident, and one of the things that was said that really um, that really resonated with me is that when you think about these fire departments, they're all volunteer, first of all, uh, these rural fire departments, and, um, and that when you think about an accident like that, it's always going to happen in an area where volunteers are going mm-hmm. to respond. It doesn't, and, and I'm quoting the, this speaker, it doesn't happen in downtown Edmonton. It doesn't, you know, it happens in a rural area, these kind of accidents. Now, of course, you know, a terrorist attack and or an attack like the one we've seen in Toronto is the exception. But these horrific highway accidents um, the first responders are guys, like you just said, uh, who are out with friends or having supper or out in the field or they're just doing their normal lives and then they have to jump into action and respond and that there's a certain, they felt, a certain lack of respect for these departments because of the word volunteer, that because uh, they're not paid and sitting in a fire hall somewhere all day long, that they're somehow less hmm. uh, trained or less committed than than uh, regular firemen, and and it's certainly not the case. And if you look at all those individuals who responded, as as you mentioned, um, they came together, and the superintendent in charge of volunteer firefighting in Saskatchewan made note of the fact that he was able to monitor all the communication between RCMP, EMT, fire, and said it was just the most organized and swift... solidarity, especially with those who have uh, fallen. Okay, uh, Brad, are we going to... What are we doing? Someone tell us what we're doing here. Okay. 
Uh, Toronto Mayor, we'll continue the conversation yep. here in just a second. Toronto Mayor John Tory speaking right now. Do not come to this area if you're not already here. Uh, the police and the other first responders have a lot of work to do on a very complicated investigation and it just helps with the task they have in front of them if people are not uh, in this area. Secondly, uh, we've asked and we are asking that all of the businesses and buildings that uh, are office buildings where people work uh, during the day, that those people would in an orderly fashion uh, close those businesses for the remainder of the day uh, and ask people to go home. Uh, it is close to the end of the business day for many people in any event, but we're asking if people will close their businesses and we're asking for those businesses that are on the uh, east side of Young Street that they use Doris Avenue for those who are trying to leave by car or on foot uh, and for those on the west side that they use Beecroft. In other words, we're trying to keep people off Young Street near uh, the scene of this tragedy so that the police can continue with their investigation and so that uh, there's as little chance of any kind of disturbance of the uh, scene of this uh, incident as possible. So we're asking that to be the case. Uh, I have already asked that the uh, city government building uh, at uh, Mel Aspen Square uh, be uh, closed for the day and I think again it was close to the closing time and so again I'm hoping uh, those people are leaving that building in an orderly fashion. Uh, we're asking uh, that people uh, who are coming home uh, to this area, uh, please do the same thing. If they can use uh, Beecroft uh, to the west of Young Street to get to where they're going, and if they can use Doris to the east, that would be very helpful. We have Toronto Police Service officers, and we have, uh, as well, people from our Transportation Services Department here to help with the traffic flow uh, so that people can get to where they're going. Uh, but obviously, people do have to come home, but uh, again, if they don't have to come home for any reason, then again, it's going to be easier if they uh, don't come uh, tonight or if they come at a later hour so that not everybody is coming here at one time. Uh, with respect to public transportation, uh, as people will know, we have had uh, the subway closed at the North York Centre uh, station uh, today, but the trains have been passing through. Passengers are asked to get off at Shepherd, and the trains then go through uh, on to uh, Finch, uh, and uh, people are not able to get on or off at North York Centre, and in fact the trains are empty uh, travelling uh, between those two stops going northbound. Uh, we're asking people to take that into account in their travel plans, if possible, to use uh, the York University, uh, Spadina University subway line, uh, or to use other means uh, because obviously it will be more complicated than normal because we can't offer uh, shuttle buses on the second. You're listening to Toronto Mayor John Tory give a briefing this afternoon, just really um, giving kind of a rundown of the transportation issues that mm -hmm. are that are the big challenge right now. When we go back to Toronto, we talk about the uh, van attack there today. Um, numerous people uh, dead in that accident, according to a paramedic. Uh, eight to ten people uh, injured as well. So we'll keep you updated. Yeah. Now in incidents like this, like the one that we had in Edmonton, the one that we're seeing unfold in Toronto, everybody wants the facts as quickly as possible, as do we, and we want to be able to bring you those facts. We want to make sure they're facts, though, so we, we wait, and we, you know, as soon as it becomes available, we bring it to you. Um, you you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't mm -hmm. on these sort of things, because uh, the mayor's under the same... Um, pressure to get information out there. The police chief will be as well, but they want to get it right and they will. And when they get it right and when they have it available to us, that's when we'll bring it to you. I know on our texting line, lots of speculation. Well, and lots of people telling us, no, this is how many people are dead right. and this is how many, well, you know what? Let, let the reporters do their jobs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we just don't have the luxury of quoting unsubstantiated websites and blogs. We, we have to wait. Our reporters are there. Global's got it covered. Um, and as they get official information, they'll pass it on to us and we'll pass it on to you. Let's head back 
to Toronto now for an update from Toronto Police. For the uh, families and uh, loved ones of uh, those who may have been affected or those who are concerned about that. And so uh, in introducing uh, Deputy uh, Peter Ewan, may I just say once again that it is a time uh, to be as calm as we can be in the city to understand that our first responders are doing their job, especially our police. I can tell you how incredibly impressed I was at the professionalism and the thoroughness of the people that I saw in action uh, in the room that we've just come from. And I hope people won't forget that spirit of unity and that spirit of solidarity and that, uh, that sense of calm that we should have as people go about dealing with an awful uh, tragedy. But nonetheless, they'll be dealing with it, I'm sure, uh, very effectively. And on that note, I would ask uh, Deputy Ewan to uh, brief you from his end. And we will not uh, take any questions uh, today because uh, it's just uh, at a stage where it's too early to start in to the kinds of things I'm sure you'd want to know about. Deputy? Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Acting Chief Peter Ewan. I'm here to uh, relate some information to you as to what happened today on Young Street. Approximately 1.30 this afternoon, Toronto Police received a number of calls from citizens indicating a vehicle is driving, was driving on Young Street and striking a number of pedestrians between Finch Avenue and Shepherd Avenue. At this, is, this time, what is known to us is we have located that vehicle. The driver is in custody right now and he's been investigated to the events that, that took place this afternoon. I, could, I also want to offer my condolences to the families and the victims of this tragic event that took place. We can confirm for you tonight, right now, we have nine people that are dead, 16 that are injured. Toronto Police Service has mobilized all available resources, and I can assure the public, all our available resources have been brought in to address this tragic situation and to investigate this situation. And I also want to assure the public, the rest of the city are adequately policed by our other resources. As the mayor said earlier, we will be establishing two hotlines. One is for victims and families to call for the loved ones. The other one is for, more importantly, for witnesses to call in because this is gonna be a complex investigation. Toronto Police Service will be here for a number of days to shut down a busy stretch of Toronto, but this what is required because this is going to be a long investigation with multiple witnesses, with a lot of uh, surveillance cameras, and namely at 1.30 this afternoon there were a lot of pedestrians out enjoying, a lot of witnesses enjoying the sunny afternoon, so we're urging anyone that saw anything, please call Crime Stoppers or call Toronto Police Service and let us know. Those two hotlines numbers will be published published. Very You've shortly. been listening to Acting Toronto Police Chief Peter Ewan, who has finally confirmed the numbers that we've been looking for. Nine dead in that van attack in Toronto today. Nine, 16 injured. And still uh, no information on uh, motive uh, connected to this incident or the identity of the suspect, uh, but we will bring that to you as we get it. Some staggering numbers just announced by Acting Toronto Police Chief Peter Ewan confirming that nine people were killed in that Toronto van attack today. This man gets in a van and just mows down people on sidewalks over a long stretch of Young Street up towards North York out uh, on the outskirts of Toronto today. Nine dead, 
16 injured and you know Andrew going back to what we were talking about with being in Nipawin mm-hmm. uh, this week and you talk about the first responders and the same thing here the first responders the the, the doctors and the nurses in the hospital who are there under a, a code orange who have been called in for this mass casualty incident you know trying to deal with what they're seeing and the people who were witnessing it just the people mm-hmm. out maybe walking back to lunch after work maybe walking the dog, maybe just whatever, having a lunch date with someone, how they're going to have to deal with this. Yeah, and you know, as I say, and and we we cut away to go to that live conference, we'll do it again as other information becomes available to us. As I say, a lot of the conversation up in Nipawin, and and, and it was fascinating to listen um, to the speakers and to see the reaction of the crowd. Um, A lot of the conversation was about how training kicks in and how through just reflex they do all the things that they've been trained to do they do them in the order that they've been Mm -hmm. trained to do them they communicate in a fashion that they've been trained to to do and that they cooperate with agencies but it's when it's all over and when everybody they talked about when everybody leaves town and I, and I think when they say everybody leaves town, they're talking to a great extent about the media coverage mm-hmm. that when no one's talking about this anymore and when people begin trying to return to normal in those towns. And, and you know, the mayor Nipawin, uh, Nipawin got up and spoke to that, um, that it's much easier for those individuals to sort of start to get back into their normal routine. But it's at that time that those first responders need the most support. It's when the 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 job's been done and but now they're just left with those memories yeah what happens when the adrenaline stops Mm -hmm. what happens when you know that that those arms of the nation that you have felt around you for the past three or four weeks, you know, maybe move on to something else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's going to be a long, long hall up there um, for the folks of Humboldt and and Nipawin and the first responders up there. And it would be fascinating. It would be fascinating if someone was to document from day one through over the next the, the the course of I don't even know how many years um, w- when you look at something like PTSD and, yep. and OSIs and and how it was handled and 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 maybe the right way and the wrong ways mm-hmm. of doing so. There there was uh, you know I, I really to be honest with you jumped on the opportunity to talk to a lot of them. Absolutely. Um, you know as I would have had we had a line of them available to talk to them yeah. on this radio show. So the conversations were kind of like that with the understanding that I would not. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not, yeah. you know, and I'm not there as a reporter or a member of the media. I'm there, you know, as a concerned individual, as a comedian. Uh, but some, some of those statements will stay with me for a long time. One fellow who was on the scene and who had attended to somebody um, whose name I've seen on the list who didn't make it uh, from that accident, he said to me, we don't even have uniforms. We have a T-shirt. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it, you know, it just really struck me when he said that. These are professional. They're volunteer, but they act mm-hmm. in a professional fashion. They've got all the right equipment. They've got all the devices they need, and they've got the training that they need. But the last thing that their department thought to get was uniforms. And, and you just, I, I don't know, it just really struck me. Like, you know, he, he just talked about how everybody converged on this scene. And keep in mind, too, that there was a lot of different fire departments. and But they communicated with one another. And, uh, you know, the first fire department to arrive took the lead. And 
you know, uh, as RCMP and EMT arrived, they, they there was a chain of command established based on their training. Yeah. Um, but it didn't really matter who had, you know, you, you arrive in a T-shirt and a You're pickup there, truck, you go, right? And they did that. I mean, it's it, yeah, it, it's just amazing, these uh, volunteer fire departments, I guess, is all I want to say. As we go to the 3 o'clock headlines again, nine dead, confirmed dead, 16 injured in the Toronto van attack, 130 Toronto time, 11.30 our time. Um, things started to unfold there. They have a long, long investigation ahead of them. We'll keep you updated. Eileen has your 3 o'clock news up next. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.